The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, Lord. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus again said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you've forgiven are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord. Today is Pentecost, this descent of the Holy Spirit. And we heard the story in the first reading. Um, and we heard about the Holy Spirit active in different ways in the second reading, as well as the gospel, um, where the Holy Spirit was active before Pentecost, um, Jesus giving the Holy Spirit. And we've also talked about in the past, two weeks ago, we talked about how the Holy Spirit is active within the church. Uh, kind of as the soul of the church, the animating feature, the unifier in the midst of it all that makes the church something more than just an organization of humans, but makes it the bride of Christ, something divine. Uh, Last week, we talked about the Holy Spirit being the best tool for us, kind of like an impact drill, uh, in the fact that uh, it it is the tool of the day uh, that we kind of live in the age of the Holy Spirit, uh, especially in the church. And so today we hear about the Holy Spirit descending, uh, rushing upon and bestowing its gifts. I'd like to go through a little bit about the way in which it, the Holy Spirit acts and what kind of power it has in the past as well as in our life today. The first uh, kind of way in which the Holy Spirit acts, we hear about in the gospel. And the gospel, this is Jesus has risen from the dead. So it's not, Pentecost is 50 days after Easter, right? After Jesus ascends, because last week we celebrated Jesus' ascension. And so the Holy Spirit comes after Jesus ascends. But here, Jesus appears to his disciples in his glorified body. And he breathes on them, this beautiful incarnational uh, closeness that he gives. And he breathes on them and says, you know, receive the Holy Spirit, right? He bestows the Holy Spirit upon them. And he does it for a purpose that we hear. What sins you've forgiven are forgiven, and what sins you retain are retained. He's bestowing this beautiful sacrament in clarity of confession, right? Of this power and authority that he's giving the apostles and the successors to the apostles to be stewards of the gift of the Holy Spirit, primarily to forgive sins in the world in a concrete way, just as he breathed on them. And so we see the Holy Spirit working in the sacrament of reconciliation, uh, but also in many of the other sacraments. Uh, At the Mass here, when uh, the priest uh, puts his hands over the elements, and that's an invoking of the Holy Spirit and called the epiclesis. 
And every single sacrament has an epiclesis, a descent of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is the one who's the primary actor in making the sacrament take place. It's through the grace and salvation of Jesus Christ and through the action of the Holy Spirit and through uh, also the church, uh, which mediates that primarily in the Eucharist through the priest, uh, as well as through the sacrament of reconciliation. Although in that case, it's actually mediated primarily through the bishops. That's a whole nother thing. Okay, so now going going back to the Holy Spirit uh, in the other story, in the first reading, where the Holy Spirit comes down powerfully upon the apostles and we see that there's something different, right? So in the gospel, the disciples receive the Holy Spirit, but at Pentecost, they receive the Holy Spirit in a different way. I'd like to make a connection in some ways to the way in which we receive the Holy Spirit. We receive the Holy Spirit at baptism, but then later on, we're confirmed and sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Both times we receive the Holy Spirit and we have the Holy Spirit, But both times the Holy Spirit acts in different ways, in a fuller way, in a different participation. And so here, similarly, Jesus breathes on the apostles, gives them the Holy Spirit. And then a few weeks later, the Holy Spirit descends and gives them a little bit different. In what ways is it different? Well, right before the, the Holy Spirit descends, the apostles are still kind of afraid. They, they're not really, they, they're kind of like, okay, Jesus rose from the dead. We don't know what to do with that. We don't know what we're supposed to tell people. We're kind of afraid that we're going to get in trouble, kind of like, you know, Jesus did and get, you know, crucified. Um, and so they're still in this place of fear. When the Holy Spirit descends, we see a radical change in the apostles. They go from uh, fearful to bold, not knowing what to say to preaching. They take just an ordinary understanding of who God is to become a supernatural faith, which strengthens the will and gives them courage and words. It also works miracles in their life, in their faith life, right? Individually as disciples, but also in their ability of talking with other people. We see that the Holy Spirit is through the Holy Spirit that Peter is able to proclaim the gospel and say it in his language, but yet everybody hears it in their own. That's a powerful working of the Holy Spirit that wasn't through Peter. It wasn't through necessarily, it wasn't through his power, but it was through the working of the Holy Spirit in that. And so uh, I think to kind of continue on of what that especially gives is I love the idea of the Holy Spirit bringing about an amazing unity in the midst of diversity. And this is one of, again, the powers of the Holy Spirit. It's one of the difficulties of the Holy Spirit as well, that it works in a diversity of ways, and so we can't always kind of put it in a box, but it works in this diversity of ways to bring about a unity in the church, within ourselves, and within the world, right? And it does the exact opposite of Babel. In Babel, humans are trying to kind of build up something, And God scatters them with different languages. With the Holy Spirit, it takes all the different languages and unites them into one, right? But a unity that's not rooted in pride, but one that's rooted in God, right? And so there's this beautiful unity that comes about within that. Now, right now, I'm preaching in English. And even though that you might have a different native tongue, uh, you're hearing it in English, 
So do I not have the Holy Spirit? Well, I don't have the Holy Spirit in the same way that it acted 2,000 years ago, but it still acts in the church today. In what way? Well, beautifully, there was a 6th century uh, author who wrote that, uh, that the church, although it doesn't uh, always have the beauty of the, um, the speaking in tongues that takes place at Pentecost, it still speaks all the languages of the world. Why? Because throughout the world, right, we have Catholics in every place. Catholic, this word of universality, this unifier that's meant to be a, a universal Catholic unifying religion in the midst of diversity in all the different cultures and all the different languages in the world. And that the church, although right now I'm not speaking and you're not hearing in all the different languages, the church does speak in every language of the world, right? And so beautifully, even though the Holy Spirit isn't working in that amazing, miraculous way, it still works in the ordinary ways uh, often in uh, the world. The Holy Spirit also gives us uh, a strengthening of the natural good that we have, kind of within grace. It gives us the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. And it also gives us the presence of God in our life. Each one of us are baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And we're made temples of the Holy Spirit. And a lot of the times we hear that and we're like, well, I don't even know what the Holy Spirit is, right? I don't even know what, what necessarily that means. Because again, the Holy Spirit is a little bit hard to kind of understand or grasp. But what I'd like to remind you today is that the same Spirit which descended, was breathed on the apostles, the same Holy Spirit that descended upon the apostles at Pentecost is present within you. And because, not of any good that you've done, uh, but by the mercy of God in the sacrament of baptism and his love that he has chosen you, you are made temples of the Holy Spirit. And that comes with amazing gifts and amazing responsibilities as well. But to know that God's presence is always with you. Unfortunately, you're never going to be able to get away from it. Okay, Never going to be able to escape the baptism that has taken place and the presence of the Holy Spirit in uh, your life. Okay, And it's an amazing gift, although at times, for certain people that are running away, it can be a little bit difficult, right? Um, so what do we do? Well, hopefully we want to work with that Holy Spirit that has been given to us. And I'd like to propose to you one of the main ways to kind of walk away uh, from this is to ask the Holy Spirit, like we've been asking, you know, come Holy Spirit, to specifically guide us in discernment, okay? The presence of the Holy Spirit is present within us. And one of the ways that the Holy Spirit wants to act is not just be present with us, but to guide us. And it does that through sometimes subtle means. It also respects our free will just as God does. And so the Holy Spirit doesn't impose its will upon us, but wants to guide us. But we need to make space for the Holy Spirit in discernment. Well, what is discernment? Discernment is a, is a fancy word, which basically means a prayer uh, for the true desire of God, okay? So discernment is this prayer that opens us up to the true desire of God, to be guided in our life of what God wants in our life, which ultimately is our good because God actually knows us better than ourselves and that God wants our, our good more than we even want our good for ourselves, okay? So that discernment is that openness. Now, St. Ignatius of Loyola, who uh, founded the Jesuits, was one of, uh, one of the great fathers, in some ways, of discernment as a whole. 
And one of his first kind of foundational rules to any discernment is that the first rule of discernment is that the, the only way that we can discern God's will in our life is if we take out and eradicate sin in our life, right? What's kind of the, sometimes we kind of want God to like tell us uh, some amazing thing to do. And sometimes the Holy Spirit is just telling us to do the basics, you know, hey, show up to mass, right? That's what the Holy Spirit is telling us much more than uh, run off to India and go serve the poor there, right? Now, the Holy Spirit might ultimately guide us to that, but the first thing is we need to get the basics right first, okay? And so the Holy Spirit is sometimes guiding us, you know, in our conscience to, tinge, to, to remind us and to try to eradicate sin in our life. And that's the first step, right? We can't discern something that's a little bit more particulate uh, to our life without first kind of uh, doing those things that are most basic in our life, okay? And one of the primary ones is eradicating of sin. And the Holy Spirit helps do that by convicting us of sin, kind of being that conscious at times, convict us of sin, to be able to eradicate that so that we might live in the true desire of God, right? What is sin? Sin is choosing to turn away from God. Right? The Holy Spirit wants to guide us to eradicate that in our life so that we might be able to turn towards him. And then, after we're, 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 we've eradicated, hopefully, serious sin in our life, we're able to discern from good to better in our life. To be able to start to ask the Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, where do you want me to actually guide? You know, To, to, disp- to uh, suspend our kind of desires to a degree and to ask the Holy Spirit, where are you guiding me? Where, where will I be happy? What do you want me to do, right? And to ask those specific questions to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit wants to guide us. But we need to make that space by sometimes asking ourselves. And so I pray that uh, at the very least, we invite the Holy Spirit to eradicate sin, to convict us of sin, and also to guide us on a path of holiness. The Holy Spirit has been given to you as a gift. And so now, hopefully, we can use it. Uh, So we pray, come Holy Spirit, and pour out on us and guide us this day and every day of our life.